Hello there, Mind Shakers. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Shake Podcast. This podcast has been developing and growing beyond our expectations. And we would like to thank you for your continual support. That's all. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to season two of the finale of the Mind Shack podcast. Mind Shack as a reminder is a Generation Z podcast that focuses on discussing societal issues, entrepreneurial leadership, and borders on topics in psychology for us Africans. Please check us out as usual on all relevant social media. That's at mind underscore shack underscore, particularly Instagram, where you get the most updates from our podcast. You'll also find us on all podcast platforms, including our newest YouTube channel, and without further ado, let me get into our topic. Today's episode, it's kind of a special one. Today, we're talking the 2020 recap, Africa edition. As a group, a Mindshack group with our guests in this episode, we're going to be sharing our opinions on the topic. Uh, it's a full house today, guys. We're going to be running this episode with no guests, but all hosts of the podcast. So in order to do this, I got partners in crime with me. I'm going to start with Rudo, just to say a whoop whoop. Hey guys, how are you guys? Thank you, Jay. I'm excited. This is our last one for the season. We've come a long way, but I'm excited for this topic. It's jam-packed, like you said, so I'm ready. Yeah, we cry queen to end this on a big note. Kwezi is the other host with me. What's good, guys? I uh, hope you're doing well. I'm so happy to be doing this episode with my people. You know, my squad, the people I work the most with. Let's do this, man. Okay, so... In this episode, we're going to be talking about what a roller coaster 2020 was. And so this episode aimed to kind of reflect on the year we've had so far and uh, try our best to put it in a positive attitude. So the couple of things to be discussing and trying to celebrate and notice in this year, apart from the things that have gone wrong, because so much happened. A quick reflection reminder, I hate to do it, but just so we remember potentially and recognize also those that were lost, is the fact that last year we faced a bunch of things such as breakouts of murder hornets that happened in America. We got at the beginning of the year, the death of Kobe Bryant, another sad one. And then the protests in a number of nations across a number of continents. And then that's not even mentioned in the coronavirus outbreak. I mean, guys, Jack Ma has been missing since October and no one's really talking about it. So Jack Ma, for those that don't know, is the pretty much most famous and popular entrepreneur and businessman in China over the past 10 years. So he's just been missing. No one's really talking about it. Another point is that there was a breakout of Desert Locusts that happened in Kenya. And then there was also the fires in Carolina and the Amazon. There's just a lot that happened in the year. So I'm not asking this coming question with that said. But it's more so just uh, trying to leave that bit <laughs> behind us and think about the positive things that are going to be covered in this episode and ask you to Rudo and Kwezi, what's your one word for the year 2020 in Africa, as well as why do you think it's positive to look back at a year that has not gone as planned and take a look at these positives that fell part of the year? Well, you know, I can't help but to think of the word persistent. I think majority of us, leaders, individuals, businesses, you know, students, we've really persisted and persevered, if I could say, you know, despite the challenges around us, we really 
said to ourselves, look, we're going to make it through, <laughs> whether the pandemic likes it or not, or whether, you know, people are dying around us or not, you know, but at the same time, we were able to find some type of balance, you know, um, I think we did a pretty good job as a world, like, I feel like we could just give ourselves like a, like a clap, you know, because we did so well, in my opinion, we really uh, broke through, we really came up to the top, despite all the challenges that we face as a world. Yeah, so I, I could say persistence and perseverance. It is what it is. And let me tell you, in the beginning, maybe when the pandemic and all of those problems started in March, then I, I used to be really stressed out, sad. But more, we continued the year. I just got used to it, man. Historical events happening left and right. It is what it is. Just live through it, try to make the best out of it. There have been some bad downs i've had we've all had bad moments throughout this year but i have to acknowledge the good moments that were there at one point you know best part of the year was maybe jan to february march was okay half half of march was okay then it all collapsed because a lot of bad things happened and you can get drowned like in that environment where everything's going wrong people are dying people are losing their jobs it's really toxic so if you made it out, celebrate that. If you still have some family, if you have all your family, celebrate that. People around you, your loved ones, all of that. Another major event that happened, a milestone for Africa, is that most countries celebrated either 50 years plus or 60 years on the dot of independence. So I just wanted to get a sense from you guys. Do you think that Africa is really independent or do you think... It's just, we are independent on paper, but in reality, we are not. So what are your thoughts on that, Jay? I think it's quite true that when you look at the circumstances, you look at the issues that exist across the continent, it's kind of hard to say are we truly liberated. And so a part of it is like, yeah, we're liberated on paper and as things happened in those all those years ago, um, but the damage kind of still lingers and remains. And so that's where part of the problem that's where the problem of talking about being liberated is. Yeah, to some level, to answer your question, I'd say we it's hard to say truly that we are fully, fully liberated. But at the same time, when you look back at the case in the that in those 50 years ago, what the circumstance was, 40 years ago, what the circumstance was, 30 years ago, 2010, and then now, you realize the pendulum is slowly swinging. And I would like to believe it's in a positive way. And, and I think it's also important for us young people to believe and think that. You know, you're right. I think having a pessimistic view at it won't really take us forward. But I think it also instills um, a critical um, aspect for us to actually, you know, you know, confront our realities and make people aware that, you mm -hmm. know, we actually need to be free. You know, it's written on paper, but are we really free and what can we do to become free for real this time, in my opinion? I think also a part of it is the, is the 21st century, 22nd century um, colonization that's happening, which is a part of the conversation that hasn't been had yet. Yeah, I feel like there's a new age and way of, you, when you think of being liberated, you think of the colonization that happened in that time. But in this new age, there's a lot of talk and conversation about how colonization has actually changed and might still exist yeah exactly but you know it's 2021 so i'm trying to look at things positively you know from a good angle trying to make everything look better so when i think about colonization or 
influence of the colonizers, I still think it exists, definitely. Some countries are still under the influence. Political leaders are still being, let's say, puppets, are still puppets of, like, Western states. But I also want to acknowledge the countries that are actually doing much better. So countries I personally have seen, so I've seen a difference. Countries like Mali, Burkina, were actually trying to create their own identity, not the one that was fabricated by the French colonizer in this situation, because I'm a French speaker, so I know more about that situation. Uh, companies from Mali are actually exploiting their resources, kind of now. Burkina is doing really well, a true success story, actually, you know. When you talk about one of the great democracies in Africa, I want to congratulate those two countries specifically. They are doing way better. You can see, you can see the difference, even in how people talk about their own country. You know. Um, you know, just highlighting one thing that I think has not changed from you know sixty years ago and today, I would say is the military power or law enforcement, if I could say. Um, I think I've been taught all my life that the military should be above everyone basically they have so much power and they hold so much power and it's been so been said so many times that you know once the military can take over it's like over for most countries you know because they actually hold the power but what's your guys's opinion on that very same power do you think it should be taken away from them because looking at the protests some some authorities can overstep boundaries and actually harm people's lives and really impact people harshly. So what are your thoughts around police brutality in that sense, especially regarding all the protests that have happened in this year? My opinion on this topic is pretty basic. The only African state that I know who is controlled by law enforcement is Rwanda, and it is a success. Other countries, we've seen dictators, so those who were like what? military generals and all take power it was a failure look at countries like nigeria buhari president of nigeria you can see it can turn so badly because of their aggressiveness you know you know i agree fully so what are we saying about power is it in the wrong people's hands because i think if i were to give an answer i'd say that i'd say the power is okay the authority is okay it's just that it's in the wrong people's hands currently because if i as a leader can make a decision, an informed decision, and tell the military to just go shoot to kill, for instance, which has been said by an African leader, by the way, just shoot to kill. I believe that's very irresponsible, especially as a leader, and knowing that you're supposed to protect people's lives. But, you know, I think, I think our perspective around police has shifted, and that's, that's why I said it's something that has not changed from, like, centuries back, because there's still some type of fear that we have towards police. And I feel like they're supposed to be a safeguard for us. They're supposed to be people that we run to for safety and know that we can find refuge in them. But instead, we fear them. Instead, when we approach them, we there's a high chance that we might be killed, especially as black men, you know. So what's your perspective as a black man, Mr. Jean-Claude? Right now, we're going to a quick break. This break is one to say thank you. Thank you to you, our listener, for your feedback, for engaging with our podcast on our various social media as we work to improve and incorporate it. We urge you to continue to do so as we set sail. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. As a black person, it also just depends the environment you own. 
currently in. It's it's funny in this conversation. This is all happening in all over the world, pretty much, and the movement in with black people, particularly, where this case is occurring, is slightly different when you look at the context of the environment that it's happening in. And so, I just wanna before I continue that point, talk about the law enforcement section as a whole to define what law enforcement stands for the proper role of law enforcement. Law enforcement is basically put in place in order to promote public safety and uphold the rule of law so that individuals pretty much, individual liberty can flourish. People can be themselves in their community to promote safety in the community. So as time has gone, it's kind of a, it feels like a balance and that's where your question is, is, is tiltering on a balance of how much power law enforcement exists with and basically how they use the information that they gain because I feel that's part of the problem. As time has gone, they look back at a track record of, of who are the people that have caused the most problems or who statistically is more likely to cause an issue. And that kind of doesn't go back to a deeper check of how the laws that have first been put in place have caused those individuals to have a shadowy eye on them and therefore cause them to be uh, more likely to act out, to react because they're being prejudiced. They're being put in a specific box. As a black person, you walk around kind of looking over your back at times and you feel like you have to act 10 times more. I've been in a scenario where I'm in front of police and then I feel like I need to speak and act a certain way in order not to be profiled and have a difficult conversation with this police officer. So the position, the position it's at right now is really critical on a black person. And it takes time for that to swing because it's fundamental in the, in the psychology and the way that people think of black people. And it brings the conversation of centralized law enforcement law enforcement or de decentralized law enforcement. Decentralized law enforcement basically says in each, re in each region, potentially within a country, it's kind of under its own accord with preferences of regional citizens opposed to one law and one literally going over all borders, jurisdictional uh, law enforcement, which could aim to be a better way of law enforcement. With that said, let's start to step back a bit here. Yeah. Let's start to think about independence, start to think about 2020, and let's start to think about other things that have happened and the effects of uh, parties and stakeholders within trying to move things forward and improve the economies we live in, the world we live in, outside of the particular conversation of law enforcement and or, uh, yeah, basically laws around the country. Let's talk about within my part of the conversation that I mentioned in the beginning, how colonization has slightly changed. Let's just ponder on that moment for a bit of the question I want to pose in that, because um, we see allies, right? We see other countries as, uh, especially for Africa, the potential that we have kind of stepping in and looking like they are allies and looking like allies are the important way for us to come out of the issues we exist in. I want to, I want to pose the question, are we supposed to see China specifically as an ally or just a 21st century colonizer. Kwezi, I'm going to swing that over to you to start.
you know i'm all about learning from your mistakes so mm, you know the colonizers first started as they just wanted to educate us help us they thought they were enlightening us you know and i feel like that's what china is trying to do create like you know gain more influence on the world you know since they're fighting for that superpower position with the u.s and we're just another let's say a pawn or like a move they want to control africa and you know what what like stresses out stresses me out the most with Af uh, china is the amount they're investing in africa it's it's just loans countries won't ever be able to to pay back and therefore china will probably get what's it called uh rights to operate the the what's it called the mine or the train track you know i'd be i'd be really careful you don't want to you don't want a new colonizer especially china, one like china with trillions of dollars you know you never know how they how they move i'd be careful i wouldn't see them as an enemy at all or a colonizer yet but an ally would be stretching it you know yeah i agree with you guys 100 percent. i think it's very hard to to find someone who does not know your struggle completely as a partner or as an ally in this case um i think they are a 21st century colonizer if i can put it in your terms Tracy. i think they're just allowing us to have more sophisticated conversations over how they are going to take over and you know they, they're no longer taking it forcefully you know they're just allowing us to wear suits and negotiate how they're going to basically exploit from us <laughs> if i could put it that bluntly but i i don't i'm not against partnerships i'm not against learning from other nations but if we are saying we are partnering with people i believe it should be with people who know or have been through a similar struggle as we have been i think uh, part of that conversation is the fact that there's this i'm putting air quotations mutual benefit mutual relationship mutual benefit benefiting relationship for the two continents continent slash country if you want to call it and yeah i mean in some nature you actually can look at the, some of the statistics and see that there is growth that africa is at least received from this trade between china which is called the prc trade and so um yeah it's 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 quite interesting to more monitor the small things that are sort of monitor the each trade and why that's happening in order to kind of educate yourself in what's happening there the africa china relation is a big relation one of the biggest across the entire world and so where that relation is taking us as all Africans, we should know this. And China played a good part because we also in Africa had the African Continental Free Trade Agreements that happened in China in some way plays to leverage from that. So it's an interesting thing uh, and needs more kind of uh, delving into understanding and getting into the information of it. I was talking to the editor of the podcast, Ronnie. So he's the one that edits Hi Ronnie. And we talked about, do you think some countries in Africa need a dictatorship maybe? You know, maybe, uh, I don't know if you, you know, back in the 1940s and all, you know, they had this term called the strong man or, or woman. Yeah, so do you guys believe that maybe Africa should have that, a powerful leader that controls the country, you know, from up to from bottom to the top makes the rules applies them i think countries who are 
who have been plagued with corrupt leaders and all of them you think that would be a good solution you know i think having a strong man um really does put things in order i won't even deny that fact it, it does make things more straightforward and you know there's less communication and there's less opinions and things tend to get done faster and more efficiently in a dictatorship or quotes when there is a strong man um there are pros and cons to it if we look back in history if you look at your stalins you know muhammad gaddafi people who wanted to implement such systems but if i could put it in the most simplest form i think it would it would bring progress fast progress um shutting out conversations shutting out opinions would bring in fast progress is that what we need right now or do we need things that are going to be sustainable and for me sustainability includes conversations it includes you know us checking things trial and error you know so i think we don't really need a strong man um if we want to be sustainable in my opinion one thing is that we need to kind of go across the the continents and ask the question how many people actually know what a democracy is and how it affects them i feel that's part of the problem there's a lack of education and understanding of how a democracy works in these different countries and having a dictatorship and or kind of breaking away the borders when and and to think also it starts with breaking away the borders and it starts with taking on individual social issues and challenges that we have within our countries before just ju- jumping to a dictatorship type uh, style where it's like a china um in that sense i feel like i feel like it's 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 a tricky ask there's steps to it and in order for us to get to a position where we feel like Africa can run on the dictatorship. People need to understand what it means to be to live in a country that they're in right now under the current political system that they that they have right now and how it's affecting them. Know more about the political system. In South Africa we have the case where one political party has been in power for many years and it's because that political party is the one that liberated us from what we had as apartheid which separated black people people of color basically and marginalized them and so we've since then as black people decided there's only one party to vote for because if we vote for any other party we're at risk of going back to what we had before the apartheid situation and yeah for that reason people are not doing they they don't have their understanding their own personal relationship and understanding of the democracy and how their vote plays a part in impacting their scenario and situation and in that sense i feel we need to start there more people need to be educated and equipped on it in order for us to then shift to what might become a dictatorship seeing that a dictatorship might be positive Um I absolutely agree especially when you start to speak about South Africa and apartheid but I just can turn an opinion there is that um I think a democracy for most black South Africans is something it's like a taste of freedom um because I could say rightfully so that apartheid was some sort of dictatorship actually it was um but so democracy is like a it's, a, it's like a taste of freedom so taking away democracy for South Africans particularly in this case would be like bringing back apartheid which was dictatorship 
So I might actually my main question is are we ready to explore different political systems as a nation, as Africa? Because I think most people have the same traumas. Um, but you know, I think the more the more we study, the more we, we look into it, I think even new political systems can be designed. I feel like we don't always need to refer to the ones that have worked or not worked. I think as a youth, we should actually look into designing new political systems that will work for different regions. I mean, why can't we combine uh, dictatorship, you know, uh, like an aspect of aspect with, of it, sorry, with um, democracy or design a whole new system, you know? I feel like as much we've been studying all these things for so long, I think it's time that we start developing new political systems that are perfectly designed for certain regions. Uh, yeah, so that's my take on it. But I think looking at it or I think health above everything is what we realized is the true wealth of this world. And, you know, considering that we had a COVID-19 outbreak and pandemic as a whole world, what do you think this highlighted about our health system in Africa particularly? Um, do you think we did a good job as Africans? I can just throw in there, Senegal did a great job, in my opinion, you know, was one of the first African countries that stepped up and said that they have, you know, like a remedy, cure for it, or they were prioritizing testing, you know, in the very beginning and early stages of this pandemic. So what do you guys, what have you guys taken from the pandemic and how the health system of Africa works? It's interesting how in with this whole COVID-19 situation, we've all become professors at analyzing our health systems and the COVID-19 effects, etc. I like this question because, yeah, it draws on speaking about yeah, what we what we didn't know was an issue before. And it reminds me of Bill Gates' talk on TEDx when he spoke about how the health system or pandemic like this is going to affect the health system. And that's pretty much what, that's pretty much what, what happened and how he got to know that information is a conversation for another day. But yeah, COVID-19 has highlighted the terrifying, the terrifying health systems. And I, I also to another effect in the question would also say, to some extent showed that we are better off than we thought we are too. Because, um, yeah, I'm sitting in a country currently in Johannesburg, South Africa, sitting in a country where <laughs> we are at a turmoil when it comes to the coronavirus right now. But um, at the same time, um, there, there are social issues that exist. In, but when, it's, it's, when you look at Africa, it's not only talking about regions or specific areas, but we're looking at it as a whole. And apart from us in South Africa, I feel the African continent has not necessarily had the health system that can take care of it, but somehow um, managed to bring together, uh, in some cases, good laws and decision-making in order to limit the effect of the coronavirus across the continent and um, allowed us to take a step back and see where the issues are in a case where this didn't happen and the health system was directly affected how it's important for us to from the other countries that have been affected on a high on a high scale my opinion on it is that we did way better than what people thought we were gonna do i don't know if you guys remember but way back in april may when it was really ravaging europe 
Belgium, Italy, all of those countries. People were saying, oh, look at what it's doing to all these developed Western countries. Africa is doomed. We're done. It, this is the end of the continent. Everyone's going to die. But here we are today. All three of us are here, right? Uh, all our residents in Africa. So I'm pretty, I could, I, I'm pretty proud of all, as Rudo said, countries like Senegal, even Gabon, um, Kenya, SA, countries that are actually trying to test multiple, like, peoples in the thousands so um so you can say yeah our healthism wasn't ready at all definitely it's not up to par to what it should be but we did way better than what people had expected of us so that said i'll thank you for listening i'll thank rudo and Kwezi for joining us today wow you listened through to the end thank you don't forget to follow us on Instagram at mind underscore shack underscore. And if you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or all of them. There's going to be more exciting episodes to come. So see you on the next one.